0: Chapter Twenty Five of Oliver Twist. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens. Chapter Twenty Five, wherein this history reverts to Mr. Fagin and Company. While these things were passing in the country workhouse, Mr. Fagin sat in the old den, the same from which Oliver had been removed by the girl brooding over a dull, smoky fire. He held a pair of bellows upon his knee, with which he had apparently been endeavouring to rouse it into more cheerful action, but he had fallen into deep thought, and with his arms folded on them and his chin resting on his thumbs, fixed his eyes, abstractedly, on the rusty bars. At a table behind him sat the artful Dodger, Master Charlie Bates, and Mr. Chitling, all intent upon a game of whist the artful taking dummy against master bates and mr chitling the countenance of the first-named gentleman peculiarly intelligent at all times acquired a great additional interest from his close observance of the game and his attentive perusal of mr chitling's hand upon which from time to time as occasion served he bestowed a variety of earnest glances wisely regulating his own play by the result of his observations upon his neighbour's cards it being a cold night the dodger wore his hat as indeed was often his custom within doors he also sustained a clay pipe between his teeth which he only removed for a brief space when he deemed it necessary to apply for refreshment to a quart pot upon the table which stood ready filled with gin and water for the accommodation of the company master bates was also attentive to the play but being of a more excitable nature than his accomplished friend, it was observable that he more frequently applied himself to the gin-and-water, and moreover indulged in many jests and irrelevant remarks, all highly unbecoming a scientific rubber. Indeed, the artful, presuming upon their close attachment, more than once took occasion to reason gravely with his companion upon these improprieties, all of which remonstrances Master Bates received in extremely good part, merely requesting his friend to be Blow'd or to insert his head in a sack, or, replying with some other neatly turned witticism of a similar kind, the happy application of which excited considerable admiration in the mind of Mr. Chitling. It was remarkable that the latter gentleman and his partner invariably lost, and that the circumstance, so far from angering Master Bates, appeared to afford him the highest amusement, inasmuch as he laughed most uproariously at the end of every deal, and protested that he had never seen such a jolly game in all his born days
1: that's two doubles and the rub
0: said mr chitling with a very long face as he drew half a crown from his waist pocket
1: i've never seen such a fellow as you jack you win everything even when we've good cards charlie and i can't make nothing of em
0: either the master or the manner of this remark which was made very ruefully delighted charlie bates so much that his consequent shout of laughter roused the jew from his reverie and induced him to inquire what was the matter matter fagin cried charlie i wish i'd watched the play "'Tommy Chicken hasn't won a point, "'and I went partners with him against the artful and dumb.' "'Aye, aye,' said the Jew with a grin, "'which sufficiently demonstrated that he was at no loss to understand the reason. "'Try him again, Tom. Try him again.'
1: "'No more of it for me, thank you, Fagin,'
0: replied Mr. Chitling.
1: "'I've had enough. "'That there uh, Dodger's had such a run of luck that there's no standing against him.'
0: "'Ha, ha,
2: my dear,' replied the Jew. "'You must get up very early in the morning.' to win against the dodger morning said Charlie bates you must put
0: your boots on over night and have a telescope at each eye and an opera-glass between your shoulders if you want to come over him mr dawkins received these handsome compliments with much philosophy and offered to cut any gentleman in company for the first picture card at a shilling at a time Nobody accepting the challenge, and his pipe being by this time smoked out, he proceeded to amuse himself by sketching a ground plan of Newgate on the table, with the piece of chalk which had served him in lieu of counters, whistling meantime with peculiar shrillness. "'How oh, precious a door you are, Tommy,' said the dodger, stopping short when there had been a long silence, and addressing Mr. Chitling. "'What do you think he's thinking of, Fagin?'
2: "'How should I know, my dear?'
0: replied the Jew, looking round as he plied the bellows.
2: About his losses, maybe, or the little retirement in the country that he's just left, eh? Ha
0: <laughs> ha! Is that it, my dear? Not a bit of it, replied the Dodger, stopping the subject of discourse as Mr. Chitling was about to reply. What do you say, Charlie? I should say, replied master Bates with a grin, that he was uncommon sweet upon Betsy. See how he's a blushing. Oh, my eye! There's a merry-go-rounder! Tommy Chitlin's in love. Oh, fagin fagin was a spree thoroughly overpowered with the notion of mr chitling being the victim of the tender passion master bates threw himself back in his chair with such violence that he lost his balance and pitched over upon the floor where the accident abating nothing of his merriment he lay at full length until his laugh was over when he resumed his former position and began another laugh never mind him my dear said the jew winking at Mr. Dawkins and giving Master Bates a reproving tap with the nozzle of the bellows. Betsy's
2: a fine girl. Stick up to her, Tom. Stick up to her.
1: What I mean to say, Fagin,
0: replied Mr. Chitling, very red in the face,
1: is that that isn't anything to anybody here.
0: No more it is, replied the Jew. Charlie will talk.
2: Don't mind him, my dear. Don't mind him. Betsy's a fine girl. Do as she bids you,
1: Tom, and she will make you a fortune. So I do do as she bids me
0: replied Mr Chitling.
1: I shouldn't have been milled if it hadn't been for her advice. But it turned out a good job for you, didn't it, Fagin? And what's six weeks of it? It must come, some time or another. And why not in the winter time, when you don't want to go out walking so much, eh, hey, Fagin?
2: Ah, uh, to be sure, my dear,
0: replied the Jew. You wouldn't mind it again, Tom, would you? asked the Dodger, winking upon Charlie and the Jew. If bet was all right.
1: I mean to say that I shouldn't.
0: Replied Tom angrily.
1: There now ah who'll say as much as that i should like to know eh fagin nobody my dear
2: replied the jew not a soul, tom i don't know one of em that would do it besides you not one of em my dear
1: i might have got clear off if i'd split upon her mightn't i fagin
0: angrily pursued the poor half-witted dupe
1: a word from me would have done it wouldn't it fagin
2: to be sure it would my dear
0: replied the jew
1: but i didn't blab did i fagin
0: "'demanded Tom, pouring question upon question with great volubility.
1: "'No, no, to
2: be sure,' replied the Jew. "'You were too stout-hearted for that. A deal too stout, my dear.'
1: "'Perhaps I was,'
0: rejoined Tom, looking round.
1: "'And if I was, what's to laugh at in that, eh, Fagin?'
0: The Jew, perceiving that Mr. Chitling was considerably roused, hastened to assure him that nobody was laughing, and to prove the gravity of the company, appealed to Master Bates, the principal offender but unfortunately Charlie, in opening his mouth to reply that he was never more serious in his life was unable to prevent the escape of such a violent roar that the abused mr chitling without any preliminary ceremonies rushed across the room and aimed a blow at the offender who being skillful in evading pursuit ducked to avoid it and chose his time so well that it lighted on the chest of the merry old gentleman and caused him to stagger to the wall where he stood panting for breath while Mr. Chitling looked on in intense dismay. "'Hawk!' cried the dodger at this moment. "'I heard the tincliff.' Catching up the light, he crept softly upstairs. The bell was rung again with some impatience, while the party were in darkness. After a short pause, the dodger reappeared and whispered Fagin mysteriously. "'What?' cried the Jew. "'Alone?' The Dodger nodded in the affirmative, and, shading the flame of the candle with his hand, gave Charlie Bates a private intimation, in dumb show, that he had better not be funny just then. Having performed this friendly office, he fixed his eyes on the Jew's face and awaited his directions. The old man bit his yellow fingers and meditated for some seconds, his face working with agitation the while, as if he dreaded something and feared to know the worst. At length he raised his head. Where is he? he asked the dodger pointed to the floor above and made a gesture as if to leave the room yes said the jew answering the mute inquiry bring him down hush quiet
2: Charlie. gently tom scarce scarce
0: this brief direction to Charlie bates and his recent antagonist was softly and immediately obeyed there was no sound of their whereabout when the dodger descended the stairs bearing the light in his hand and followed by a man in a coarse smock frock who, after casting a hurried glance round the room, pulled off a large wrapper which had concealed the lower portion of his face, and disclosed, all haggard, unwashed, and unshorn, the features of Flash Toby Crackett.
3: "'How are you, Faggy?
0: said this worthy, nodding to the Jew.
3: "'Put that shawl away in my caster, Dodger, so that I may know where to find it when I cut. That's a time of day. You'll be a fine young cracksman afore the old fire now.'
0: With these words he pulled up the smock-frock and, winding it round his middle, drew a chair to the fire and placed his feet upon the hob.
3: "'See there, Fagy?'
0: he said, pointing disconsolately to his top boots.
3: "'Not a drop of day and martin since you know when. Not a bubble of blacking, by Jove. But don't look at me in that way, man. All in good time. I can't talk about business till I've eaten and drank, so produce a sustenance and let's have a quiet fill-out for the first time these three days.'
0: The Jew motioned to the dodger to place what eatables there were upon the table, and, seating himself opposite the housebreaker, waited his leisure. To judge from appearances Toby was by no means in a hurry to open the conversation. At first the Jew contented himself with patiently watching his countenance, as if to gain from its expression some clue to the intelligence he brought, but in vain he looked tired and worn but there was the same complacent repose upon his features that they always wore and through dirt and beard and whisker there still shone unimpaired the self-satisfied smirk of flash toby Crackett. then the jew in an agony of impatience watched every morsel he put into his mouth pacing up and down the room meanwhile in irrepressible excitement it was all of no use toby continued to eat with the utmost outward indifference until he could eat no more then ordering the dodger out, he closed the door, mixed a glass of spirits and water, and composed himself for talking.
3: First and foremost, Fagy
0: said Toby. Yes, yes, interposed the Jew, drawing up his chair. Mister Crackett stopped to take a draught of spirits and water and to declare that the gin was excellent. Then, placing his feet against the low mantelpiece so as to bring his boots to about the level of his eye, he quietly resumed.
3: First and foremost, Fagy
0: said the housebreaker. House bill. "'What?' screamed the Jew, starting from his seat.
3: "'Why, you don't mean to say,'
0: began Toby, turning pale. "'Mean!' cried the Jew, stamping furiously on the ground.
2: "'Where are they, Sikes and the boy? Where are they? Where have they been? Where
0: are they hiding? Why have they not been here?' "'The
2: crack failed,'
0: said Toby, faintly. "'I knew it,' replied the Jew, tearing a newspaper from his pocket and pointing to it. "'What more?'
3: "'They fired and hit the boy.' We cut over the fields at the back, with him between us, straight as a crow flies, through hedge and ditch. They gave chase. Damn, the whole country was awake, and the dogs upon us. The boy! Bill had him on his back, and scudded like the wind. We stopped to take him between us, his head hung down, and he was cold. They were close upon our heels, every man for himself, and each from the gallows. We parted company, and left the youngster lying in a ditch, alive or dead. That's all I know about him.
0: The Jew stopped to hear no more, but uttering a loud yell and twining his hands in his hair, rushed from the room and from the house. End of chapter twenty five.